Well, we are currently in a series called Pass It On. Let me ask you this morning, what are we going to do with all the wisdom, the knowledge, the insight that we've gained through the lessons that life has taught to us? What, what, what are we going to do? Are, are we going to keep them to ourselves? Or, or are we going to take them to the grave with us? I want us to take a look at a couple of scriptures this morning. First of all, I want us to look at 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Paul writing to young Timothy, and Paul writes to him, and he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then Paul writes to the church of Philippi in the book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 9. And, and Paul says to the church there, he says, the things which you learned. And he said, the things that you received. He said, the things that you've heard and the things you saw in me. He said, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. What, what, what was Paul saying? He was saying, pass it on. Pass it on. Now, this past Sunday, I began sharing five lessons that I have learned in life. Now, I could have very easily have picked out 50 of them, but I'm pretty sure you're glad I did not. Now, I'm not saying these are the top five lessons that I've learned in life. I'm, I'm simply saying that these are five of the many, many, many lessons that I have learned. And these are, the, these are the five that I feel impressed and compelled to share with you at this particular time. I shared three of the five lessons with you last Sunday. I'm going to just briefly mention the three that we talked about uh, last Sunday. And then we're going to finish up today with the final, final two. The first lesson that I want to pass on to you, the first lesson that I have learned and I want you to learn as well, and that is learn to laugh. Learn to laugh. Now, now that might, might not sound all that spiritual, uh, but, but to me, being a sourpuss Christian is very unspiritual. Amen? See, see sourpuss Christians are a liability to Christianity. Uh, they run people off. I mean, they keep people out of the kingdom. There are some Christians that I, 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 I just hope they don't tell anybody they're a Christian. Because they're doing more harm than, than, than good. How many know the Bible says that laughter is good medicine? Yeah, it's, the Bible says laughter is good medicine. It also says that laughter will provide good memories. Much of the memories that we have in our life are, are, are based upon funny things, humorous things that have happened in our life, correct? So, Learn, learn to laugh. L laugh at situations. You know, there's situations, circumstances, things that happen that are just funny. You know, I, hey, if you want to have, you want to, you want to laugh, just, you know, go to the mall or somewhere. I know there's not a whole lot of mall going on these days, but go somewhere where there's a lot of people and just get you a cup of coffee and just sit there and watch people. 
They're more funny than a stand-up comedian. Learn, learn to laugh. Laugh at situations. Laugh at appropriate times. How many know it's not always appropriate to laugh? Laugh at yourself. Laugh at yourself. I've told you many times, but there's brand new people that are here. And uh, my wife and I uh, married and immediately began pastoring a church at the ripe old age of 17. Have you seen a 17-year-old recently? Uh, I mean, everybody does this, right? Everybody gets married and starts pastoring a church at 17, right? Hope not. Can you imagine the wisdom that flowed out of that 17-year-old pastor's mouth? I waxed really eloquent one Sunday. One Sunday, I preached about the Calamites. How many ever read about the Calamites in the Bible? The Bible says these Calamites should be overcome. So we need to overcome our Calamites. Come on. At lunch that day, my wife says, sweetheart, the word is not Calamites. The word is Calamities. until these calamities be overcome. I said, baby, I've been studying. The Bible talks about the Canaanites. It talks about the Jebusites. It talks about the Hivites. And I have discovered the Calamites. Learn to laugh. Second lesson that I talked about last Sunday that that I would like to pass on to you, and that is plan your life according to priorities. Plan your life according to priorities. Matthew 6 and 33, Jesus said, seek first. Say first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't say, you know, find a place for me somewhere, you know, just kind of find a place to kind of tuck me in. No, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Put God first. Plan your life according to priority. So, so priority number one is our relationship with God. I'm not talking about what we do for God. I'm not talking about our ministry. I'm not talking about volunteering. I'm talking about our relationship with God. I'm talking about our prayer life. I'm talking about our Bible study. I'm talking about the, the communion and the fellowship, just walking and talking and communing and having a relationship with God. Our relationship with God is number one priority in our life. If you're married, your number two uh, priority should be the relationship that you have with your spouse. Not your children, not your best friend, not your mom, not your dad. Number two, if you're married, your relationship with your spouse. And if you have children, then number three, your relationship with your kids. You say, Pastor, my spouse comes before my kids. Yeah, they came before them, hopefully, And they will be there after the kids are gone. You better build a relationship with them. Amen? And if your relationship's just built around the kids, what's going to happen when the kids are grown? So your relationship with God, number one. Relationship with your spouse, number two. Relationship with your kids, number three. Number four is your job or your career. And number five is your 
ministry and so on and so forth. Plan your life according to priorities. Live it with the right people. Oh, I just cannot say this long enough. I cannot say it loud enough. I cannot say it enough. Live your life with the right people. Listen, love everybody, but be selective of those that you allow into your inner circle. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 13 and 14, it says that Jesus did exactly that. The Bible teaches us that Jesus loved and ministered to everybody. But even though Jesus loved everyone and ministered to everyone, yet he chose who he wanted to do life with. He chose who he wanted to stay with him once the crowd is dismissed. So... Live your life with the right people. Choose people who are, who are loyal, who have good character, who possess a good positive attitude about life. People who inspire you, not people that drag you down. Live life with the right people. And then live it with the right plan. Live life with the right plan. Have a plan for your family. Have a plan for your finances. Have a plan for your future. The third, the third lesson that I want to pass on to you this morning, and that is, and, and, and number three is generate a, a heart of generosity. Generate a heart of generosity. Become a river, not a reservoir. See, a river gives, a reservoir takes. A river continually flows. A reservoir is merely a container. And then become rich in relationships, not just in, in resources. See, see, only people who are generous with their time and generous with their energy, only they will be rich in relationships. Well, well, the, these are the three lessons of life that I shared with you last week. You can listen to our podcast and hear them in detail. If you haven't, I encourage you to do so. We're talking about passing on the lessons that we have learned in life. Now let's go on with lesson number four and the first lesson I want to talk about today. Wow, this is a good lesson to learn this morning, and that is energize your life with enthusiasm. Energize your life with enthusiasm. Psalm 118 and 24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to moan and groan in it. (laughs) This is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to sing the blues today. No, the psalmist wrote, he said, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And then Paul wrote in Romans 12 and 11, he said, serve the Lord enthusiastically. Enthusiastically. Here's what I've learned. Happiness is a choice. Happiness is a choice. Contentment is a choice. I remember one time standing out in West Texas, out in Midland, Texas. My oldest brother was there, and he looked around at nothing but mesquites around and a few pump jacks. He said, who in the world could be happy in this ungodly part of the country? Me, 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 me. I can't, I am, I am. Happiest I've ever been in my life. Why? Happiness is a choice. Contentment is a choice. A good attitude or a bad attitude is a a choice. So, so this morning, I choose to energize my life with enthusiasm. I choose to wake up in the morning saying, good morning, Lord, instead of saying, good Lord, it's morning. Now, I do give myself permission to have my second cup of coffee first. Now, I know how, you know, I know church people, been around a long time. 
And you might be thinking, Pastor, if, if you knew what was going on in my life, you wouldn't be telling me to be enthused about it. I see you could be enthused about your life. You got a pretty good life going on there, Pastor. I'm watching you. I can see why you'd be enthused about your life. But if you knew what was going on in my life, you wouldn't be telling me to be enthused about it. And you are absolutely right. I'm not telling you to be enthused about your present set of circumstances. I am not telling you to be enthused about the situation that you find yourself in today. Hear me this morning, our enthusiasm in life should have nothing to do with these things. See, this is the world's way of living. This is the world's way of living, the world's way of thinking. See, Jesus taught the saints are in the world, but he said they are not of the world. What I've discovered is this is true in theory, but in reality, there are far too many saints who take their marching orders from society. They look like, act like, talk like, think like the world. No wonder their life parallels the world more closely than it does the word. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, he says, since you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Seek things that are where? Paul says, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not, say not, not on things of the earth. Paul writes in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. Paul writes, and he says, be anxious for nothing. Say nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Paul said. Instead, he said, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And he says, if you do this, he says in verse number seven, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Oh, how in the world can I have the peace of God when all hell is broke loose over my life? Well, because instead of worrying about it, I'm praying about it. I'm petitioning about it. I'm praising God through it. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, think or meditate on these things. The key to energizing our life with enthusiasm is found in the verses that I just read, trading our worries for worship. Amen? Trading our worries for worship, which provides us with supernatural peace rather than society's perplexities. Choosing to fill our minds with positive thoughts rather than pessimistic thoughts. And Paul's list included whatever things are true or noble or just or things that are pure or things that are lovely or whatever is of a good report or, or if it is praiseworthy, then Paul says, think or meditate or fill your mind and fill your thoughts on these kinds of things. Here's the way I say it this morning. I say, I say it like this. If you would think about what you've been thinking about, you wouldn't think about what you've been thinking about. 
Proverbs 23 and 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Chad Helmstetter, writer of the book Homemade, wrote this in his book, as much as 77% of the things that we think about are negative. He says three out of every four of our thoughts are negative thoughts. Hmm. Somebody said, you know, if you think our problem is bad now, <laughs> just wait till you see our solution. <laughs> so, 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 somebody said a pessimist can hardly wait for the future so they can look back with regret. <laughs> what a pitiful way to live. What a pitiful way to live. Hear me this morning. Watch your thoughts because they become your words. Watch your words because they become actions. Watch your actions because they become your habits. Watch your habits because, because they become your character. Watch your character because it will become your destiny. Here's a good one this morning. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. And the way to do this is to fill your mind with his word. Oh, the lesson that I want to pass on to you today is this. Energize your life with enthusiasm. Hear me this morning. Hear me. If you can't be enthused about what is, be enthused that what is won't always be. One man said his favorite scripture in all the Bible was, and it came to pass. He said, thank God it didn't come to stay. Most of all, be enthused about who is. Did you hear me get this this morning? I said, most of all, be enthused about who is, not what is. And because your faith and hope is in who is rather than in what is, then the what is is about to change because greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I'm telling you this morning, Christ is greater than our circumstances. Our Savior is greater than our situation. Our Jesus is greater than all of our junk. Uh, can I hear a shout of praise in his house this morning? Come on, somebody. Preaching a lot better than you're shouting this morning. It's okay. I still love you. Man, energize your life with enthusiasm. Let me say two quick things right here. Purpose plus passion is powerful. Purpose plus passion is powerful. Purpose is a prerequisite for success. You cannot have success without purpose. You wouldn't know it if you got it because, you know, per, you know success is knowing your purpose and, and passionately pursuing it. That's success. To know the why and then get, out, get, get all about the why. Amen? Purpose is a prerequisite for success. Passion is a plus. But when you get these two teamed up together, they are unstoppable. Purpose plus passion is powerful. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 says, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Another way to say it is do it with, do it with passion. 
Do it with passion. I, oh, I've given you this before, but I love it. Eugene Ormandy was a conductor for the Philadelphia Symphony and uh, orchestra, and he was so passionate about his job that, that, that it is said that he dislocated his shoulder while directing the orchestra. Ah, that's some passion right there. Once you discover your purpose, do it with passion become, because purpose plus passion is powerful. Here's something else I know, and it's, it's, it's worth the cost of admission. By the way, some of you haven't paid the cost of, of admission yet. Here's what I know. It's worth coming here this morning for. Passionate people get promoted. Passionate people get promoted. See, there's a lot of people with skill. There's a lot of people with skill. A lot of people with a whole lot more skill than you have. There's a lot of people with skill, not so many with passion. Let me ask you this this morning. Who would you rather work for? Someone who continually pouts or someone who has consistent passion? Who would you, who would you rather be teamed up with? A, a person of drama or a person of dedication? Who would you rather work for? Someone who is passionate about their work or somebody who is passive about it? Proverbs 15 and 15 in the Message Bible, it says a miserable heart means a miserable life. A cheerful heart fills the day with song. Let me pass this life lesson on to you this morning. Energize, energize your life with enthusiasm. Place a smile on your face. Put a song in your heart. Get a spring in your step. And I ask you this morning, why not? Why not? Isn't Jesus your Lord and Savior? Hasn't he given you a book full of promises? Isn't he your provider? Isn't he your protector? Doesn't Nehemiah 8 and 10 say that the joy of the Lord is your strength? Here's the question this morning. Is there any proof of joy in your life? Let me ask you this morning, could a jury convict you of joy? Is there enough evidence in your life to convict you? 1 Peter 1 and 8 says, Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and, it is, fu- and is full of glory. Let's look at the fifth and final lesson that I want to pass on to you this morning, and that is this. Learn who to listen to. Learn who to listen to. Because who we are and the person we are becoming is being determined by the people we are choosing to listen to. Proverbs 18 and 21 says, death and life are in the power of of the tongue. Maybe this is the reason why Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36 and 37, you're going to give an account of every idle word that you speak on the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Here's what I know this morning, just as it is vitally important to guard our tongue, it is equally important to guard our ears. Learn who to listen to. Here's what I've learned. The loudest voice is not always the right voice. The loudest voice is 
not always the right voice. Second Timothy chapter four, verse three and four, Paul instructing Timothy, mentoring Timothy, teaching Timothy. He says, hey, Timmy, hey, Timmy. He says, the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and they will look for teachers. And people today going from teacher to teacher, church to church to church, they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. Friend, can I tell you this day has come. Our world has gone mad. Isaiah 5 and 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who say that dark is light and light is dark. Hear me this morning. The loudest voices of our day today are saying these very things. What once was clearly black or white has been placed so close together that nearly everything today is being presented to us as some shade of gray. We don't even know which bathroom to go in anymore. My goodness. But hear me, according to Scripture, there are still some things that are clearly black or Society might have, test, might have tossed out all absolutes, but hear me this morning, God's word has not tossed out absolutes. And hear me this morning, anyone who goes against any clear teaching of Scripture is absolutely wrong. Now, I emphasize clear teaching. Because in years gone by, we've cherry-picked little obscure scriptures and made doctrines out of them. And the reason we are so far from where we were is because we weren't where we should have been in the beginning. And so we overcorrected. And that's what you normally do when you realize, you know, you've done something wrong or gone, you know, you overcorrect. And we have overcorrected not only in our society, but in the church today, we've overcorrected our doctrine. So far in one direction that we flip flopped and went so far in the other, and the truth is somewhere found in the middle. Hear me this morning the loudest voice is not always the right voice, so learn. Learn who to listen to. Seek out a godly voice, seek out an anointed voice, seek out a genuine voice, seek out a wise voice, seek out a proven voice. And here's why this morning because who we listen to will limit us or liberate us. Proverbs 18 and 21, again, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Learn who to listen to. Listen to voices that speak life. Listen to voices that speak life to you. And be a person. Be a voice who speaks life to others. To others. And let me just tell you something. Don't assume that the people and even the leaders in your life are being affirmed. Don't, don't assume that, that the people in your life, even the leaders in your life are being affirmed. Here's what I've learned, and that is people are much more free with their criticism than they are their compliments. They will tell you what they don't like a whole lot quicker than they'll tell you what they do like. 
So I encourage you, if you see somebody doing a good job or something, tell them they did. I make it a point at the restaurant. I make it a point to tell the waiter, you did a good job today. Because they've had 15 people tell them, I'm shouting, you didn't fill my tea glass. Well, I like my tea glass filled too. But I make a point and say, you, you did a good, now I don't lie. If they did a lousy job, I don't tell them. I'm not a liar. But if they did a good job, I tell them, man, you did a good job today. You, you did a good job today. And you know what I do every once in a while? Every once in a while I tell the, the, the person, I say, can I speak to the manager? And the manager comes out there like, oh, no, not another, not another, not another, not another. And I tell that manager, man, I'm going to just tell you, man, this, this place is rocking, man. You know, when I walked in, they were nice to me. They were friendly to me when I walked in this place. And they got me a place to sit real quick. And, the, and, and you know, the wait staff were courteous, man. And they were on the spot. And, they did, and the food was really good today. And I just, you know what? I said, you know what? I said, I, said, I tell them, I said, you know what? You know, I know that you hear all day long all the complaints. You hear all day long all the bad things, all the, bad, all the things that are wrong your restaurant. I just, want, I just wanted to give you a little break and just tell you, you're doing a great job, manager. Keep up the good work. Amen? Someone does a good job on, on someone, tell, tell them they did. Compliment them. Affirm them. Speak words of life. Speak words of encouragement to them. Balance out the negative voices with your positive voice. Listen, I love what Calvary Church up the road says. Honor up, down, and all around. Listen, hear me this morning. You have absolutely no clue what it can mean to somebody. Just recently, I spoke some encouraging words to a man standing to me in service. And I found out later that this man texted his wife and said, Pastor Mike just said this, this, and this. And he prayed this. And oh, that meant so much to me. You have no clue what it can mean to somebody. Perhaps you are the only positive voice they ever hear. Hebrews 10 and 24, let us think of ways to motivate and inspire. What's our word for the year? Let us think of ways to motivate and inspire one another. Our takeaway this morning is this. The lessons we've learned in life were not, meant for, were not just meant for us. They were meant to be passed on. Amen.